If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes 3. And today we're reading verses one to eight. Uh, We are in week four of our series in the book of Ecclesiastes called Life Under the Sun. And if you remember, we began this book because the theme of Ecclesiastes is very relevant to our present moment. Uh, Now more than ever, we feel and are facing the reality of life in its um, futility, in its frustration, uh, its vanity, its uh, vaporness. And so uh, 2020 is coming to an end. And as we wrap up this year and we look back on this previous year, um, I'm sure it didn't unravel and unfold much like we had hoped and imagined. Um, So how are we supposed to process things when things don't go the way we expect, when life uh, in this fallen, broken world is really exposed uh, as as it is, a fallen and broken world, cursed by the mark of sin. Uh, what word does God have to say to comfort us and to encourage us to help us navigate and to understand and interpret the world? Uh, so that's why we're in the book as we take our cues from the preacher. And so friends, would you stand with me? And your standing is an act of worship as we read God's word, as we receive God's word, as he speaks to us. Ecclesiastes 3, beginning with verse 1, reading to verse 8. Here now the reading of God's holy word. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep peace and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And would you join me in prayer once more? Father, this morning we ask for your Holy Spirit to uh, illuminate to us the truths of the word that he inspired. And so as we come to your word, speak to us uh, as a people who are lost without your truth as a people who are discouraged um, until we receive your encouragement, a people who need correcting and a people who need comforting. Do that all through your word this morning unto your glory. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage we just read in Ecclesiastes 3 is one of the most famous and familiar, not only passages in scripture, but probably poems of all time. In some shape or form, I'm sure you've heard this poem. Uh, In fact, to be honest, most of us, before we began our study in Ecclesiastes, the only part of the book that we were familiar with was this section. Um, It's so often quoted and recited by people in some form or version. In fact, if you remember just a few weeks ago in President-elect Joe Biden's speech, he even quoted from Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, But the thing is, you don't have to just be told that this poem is special. Just read it. You've heard it read. And you not only see its beauty, you can experience its beauty. Right? There's a certain cadence to the poem. There's a rhythm to it. There's imagery to it. Uh, These words, they resonate with us because they accurately describe all of life and its ebbs and its flows for us. 
And so we began, and the preacher begins in verse one, saying his thesis statement. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. The preacher is saying that in life, there is a season, there is a time for everything. There are lows and there are highs. There are curses and there are blessings. There, there are famine and there are fruit. And each of these seasons, each of these times, whether they bring to us things that are wanted or things that are unwanted, whether they bring to us circumstances that are invited or circumstances that are uninvited, these are the things that make up life. Life is comprised not just of happy moments and happy memories. Life is comprised of both the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly, the peaks and the valleys. And so wisdom, according to the preacher, is simply this. Submitting to the fact that in life, there are various seasons that you cannot control. To live wisely means to live life in a way that you acknowledge, you humbly admit that there are all sorts of seasons that come our way and they are all beyond our control. That no matter how hard we try, we cannot make the good seasons last a little longer and we cannot make the bad seasons go away a little faster. You know, as a parent, uh, you experience this, that no matter how much you baby your child and want them to stay young and cute and innocent, you can't keep them in that phase forever. Sooner or later, they will grow up. And as they grow up, they will rebel and they will talk back and they will walk out of the room and they will slam the door and they will yell in your face and they will hang up on your phone, on the phone call and they won't text back. And you don't want that precious moment to leave but it'll flee. You can't control time. And then when they grow up and they become rebellious teenagers, they're too cool for school. They're too cool for mom and dad. They're too cool to be seen in public with you. If you, if they drop, if you drop them off, you have to drop them off three blocks away. You know, you can't be seen with them and you want to rush through that stage and you can't because there's a season, there's a time. This is how life works. And the faster you realize that all of this, the seasons of life, the times of life are beyond your control, the faster you can start living in reality. You see, you only have two options. The first option is you believe you're in control. You believe you can control the seasons by holding on to them, by dismissing them. But when you do that, you're going to be constantly defeated, discouraged, and disappointed when life goes off tracks, when life uh, doesn't go according to your plans. You're constantly going to be frustrated and upset. Or the second option, you humbly expect various seasons to come. And when they come, you humbly accept them. You see, you have two options. The option A, be discouraged, disappointed, and defeated that life isn't going according to my plans. Or exercise wisdom. Expect various seasons, the good and the bad to come, and then accept them when they come. The preacher is telling us that wisdom is found in the latter. Now, you look at the poem, and if you have it open before you, we see that in verses 2 to 8, there are 14 pairs. And in these 14 pairs, the preacher is contrasting 28 different things. And by doing this, he is painting a comprehensive picture of life. He includes all of these things on opposite ends, opposite sides of the spectrum, so as to say, from A to Z and every letter in between, this is life. right? And, and we do this, we um, often in our own speech, exhibit this kind of uh, technique, right? We say something like, man, I can't find my, my car keys. 
I searched high and I searched low. And what do you mean by that? You don't mean you only searched upstairs and you only searched downstairs. You only searched the roof and you only searched the basement. What high and low means you search everywhere in your house. So in the same way, when the preacher talks and gives this list and gives this whole uh, range of, of experiences from one side to the other, he's saying all of life, that all of life brings various seasons, various times. And he starts with the most basic one that all of us experience, a season that will come to everybody in this room. When in verse two, he says this, a time to be born and a time to die. And he says, every one of you are subject to this time in this season. There isn't anybody in here who wasn't born, right? I can say with confidence, I know two things about you. The first thing I know is all of you experience birth. That there is no one in this room, you know, who, who just magically, spontaneously existed. And the second thing I know about all of you is that at one point you will breathe your last and you will die. This is Ecclesiastes. These two moments, the beginning and the end, they are appointed by God. They are ultimately decided not by us, but by him. Our birth and our death and everything in between is in his hands. You see, we are not, despite what we think, masters of our own fate. You were not brought into the world because you decided to. See, we read in Job chapter 14, verse 5, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot fix. His days, our days are determined. God has fixed a beginning point and an end point for every single person, a time of birth and a time of death. And just to reflect on this real quickly, here's what this means. That at least means two things. One, no birth is ever ultimately an accident. You know, yes, a birth may not have been planned by the mother, but it was certainly planned by God. Birth may not be wanted by a parent, but every life is wanted by God. Secondly, it means that any couple struggling to get pregnant, wanting a child, but unable to have one, that even the timing of pregnancy, even the timing of birth is appointed by God. It's all according to his sovereign decision and his sovereign purpose. So we need to rest that God has appointed a time of birth. But secondly, that means on the far side, and we really hope that it's on the far side of birth, is death. And that's fixed by God as well. And although that we, we hope and we pray that death comes many, many years after birth. If God has appointed both times, then that means that death is always punctual. Despite what our clocks say and when we plan and when we want death to come, if death comes by the hand of God, that means death is never too early and death is never too late. It's a hard reality to accept, but one we must that when death comes into this world, do you know that death came as an unwanted guest, an intruder into God's perfect and good world? We read in Romans 5, verse 12, that death only came as a result of Adam's sin in the garden. There, Apostle Paul writes, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul's alerting us to the reality that there's only a time of death because of sin. 
And that means this, that because we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world, we cannot and should not be surprised by death. Sadly, death is one of the few constants in a world that is otherwise unpredictable and always changing. You never know what tomorrow holds, what next year holds, what a decade later holds, what a generation later holds, but you do know this. All will die. This is how this wonderful poem begins. Welcome to the world of Ecclesiastes. So from birth to death, the preacher is saying, all of our lives under the sun are filled with various seasons and various times. From great times of celebration, like the joy of new birth, to the sorrows of burying a loved one, life takes place in various seasons and times. Now, the poem then continues and expresses and explains some of those things. Now, all scholars have agreed, though, there's no actual logical connection. And so I'm not going to exposit and exegete each one of these lines. We simply need to understand what the preacher is doing here. The preacher has listed 28 things, 14 of them in pairs. And so, of course, that they are corresponding one good thing, one bad thing, one pretty thing, one ugly thing. But here's the thing. If you and I were to create this list, if we were to make up this list, I know for a fact you would do exactly what I would do, which is you would take this list of 28 things and you would only, you would get rid of half and only keep the other half, right? Because half of this list is bad things, things that we want nothing to do with. We would avoid, eliminate all of the difficult seasons and we would keep and preserve all of the good seasons. Because who of us wants, uh, who doesn't want a time of healing and wants a time of building up and we don't want a time of killing and a time of breaking down, right? Don't we all want the seasons of laughing and the seasons of dancing? And none of us wants the seasons of weeping and the seasons of mourning. We all, we all want and desire the time of love and the time of peace. And we want to stay far away from the time of hate and the time of war. But the preacher says, because these seasons aren't in your control, these are both inescapable. Life is inescapably both. They come to you together. That you can't choose, pick and choose. You can't customize which seasons you want in your life, how long you want seasons in your life. And the reality is that when you refuse to expect these seasons to come and you refuse to accept them when they do come, that's when life is most difficult. That's when you feel particularly defeated, discouraged, and disappointed at the outcome of your life. That's when you find yourself saying things like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Things aren't supposed to be this way. Life shouldn't be this hard. God in Ecclesiastes 3 is giving us a warning about life. Ecclesiastes 3 is a sign that reads, caution, various seasons up ahead. Or to put it another way, Ecclesiastes 3 is a map of the topography of life that's telling you there are all sorts of terrain ahead of you. Some of us are in a very comfortable season of life. We are in a wide open expanse. We can travel any which way. Life is good. There's not a care in the world. And Ecclesiastes is saying to you, be alert, be aware. Because although you're in a season of prosperity now, there may be a dense force coming up ahead where the sun's rays won't shine through and you will no longer feel the warmth of the sun. Life comes in various seasons. On the other hand, some of you are walking along jagged cliffs very carefully 
measuring each step at the fear that one wrong step, you will slip and you will fall and you will be crushed. So life is filled with anxiety and angst and life is hard. Life is full of despair. But Ecclesiastes is also saying to you, be alert, be aware. There's a grassy field up ahead where you can safely graze and lay your head to rest. Because why? Life is full of various seasons. And in this way, Ecclesiastes 3 is doing two things. It is comforting you, but it's also cautioning you. You know, some of us need to read Ecclesiastes 3 and be cautioned. To be prepared. Things are good now, but things may not always be good because hard seasons come. Others of you need to read Ecclesiastes 3 and be comforted. Things are hard now, but there are good seasons to come. The preacher is telling us that every wise person knows that for every fruitful season, there is a season of famine. That for every cold, wintry season, there is a warm spring season. And so to navigate life under the sun means to wisely expect both and accept both when they come. And Christians need to know this, especially Christians. Because the promise of the gospel does not say being a Christian exempts you from seasons of hardship and anxiety and adversity and difficulty. The promise of Christianity is not you're going to be spared these things in life because you believe in God. Nor does the promise of the gospel say, oh, you're a Christian. That means you qualify for more seasons of blessing and flourishing. That too is a false promise. Oh, you're going to be upgraded in your seasons of blessing and thriving because you believe in God. If you fall into one of these belief systems, you will be sorely disappointed, sorely frustrated. Because you will think, oh, being a Christian means that the times of weeping and the times of mourning should be minimized in my life and the times of laughing and dancing should be maximized in my life. And then when suffering comes your way, you'll be so knocked off, so confused, so disoriented. But God's promise for you is not, hey, dear Christian, half of this list I'll get rid of. You'll only have the good half to deal with. God's promise is far greater than that. God's promises, when your life is subject to these various seasons, the good and the bad, the peaks and the valleys, I am doing something in your life. I will take those various seasons, everything that is evil and painful and threatening, and I will redeem it and turn it into glory. You see, Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 to 8 is the poem, but if you take a sneak peek a little past the chapter, and you look at verses 10 and 11, here's the promise we read. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. You see, you are not in control of the seasons of your life, but you have a God who is. And he is taking those seasons and he is promising to reverse them, to rewrite them to something beautiful one day. He's promising that he'll turn evil into good, transform hurt into healing, take the chaos and bring it to order. Out of loss, bring gain. And we know that this is the promise of God that he is sure to do because of the price he paid to guarantee it being done. 
He sent his one and only son to accomplish this. How? How is this coming of Jesus meant to accomplish this, that he will make all things beautiful in his time? Because the one who lived beyond the sun came and subjected himself to life under the sun. He subjected himself to all the various seasons of life under the sun so that he can reverse and redeem them for you and me. That all the bad seasons of verses two to eight, Jesus lived out. Why? So he could guarantee you all the good seasons of verses two to eight. Beginning with verse two, we read a time to be born and a time to die. Jesus himself, by taking on human nature, the uncreated one was born for us and the infinite one died for us. And what did he do in his life and his death? Well, we read a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. What did Jesus do? He planted the seeds of the gospel in our hearts so that we might be plucked up in the harvest of righteousness. Jesus was killed at the hands of envious, murderous men so that by his wounds, we might be healed. Jesus was broken in his body, suffering immeasurably for our sins so that we might be built up as his church and presented as his beautiful bride. Jesus wept at the great evil of death and its curse over us so that we might laugh in great joy for all eternity. Jesus mourned over the suffering and loss of life so that we might dance in the resurrection forever. You know, Jesus was cast outside the city wall so that we might be gathered together as living stones. Jesus lost the loving embrace of his father so that we might find ourselves securely in that embrace. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost so that we who are lost might truly be found. Jesus who cast away our sins as far as the east is from the west so that we might be kept close in his presence. Jesus was torn in two on the cross so that we might be sown in our fractured relationship with our God. Jesus was silent like a lamb led to the slaughter so that we might speak many words to our Abba Father. Jesus was hated by the people he came to save so that we might enjoy his unconditional love. Jesus came to wage war with sin and death at the cost of his life so that we might have reconciled peace with our maker. You see, look at verses two to eight. Jesus came and he lived life under the sun, subjected himself to all of the cursed seasons in this life so that we might enjoy the blessed seasons for all eternity. That's the promise of the gospel. That's a far greater promise than Christian. If you believe in God in this life, everything will be great. It's the promise that you can look at all of your experiences, past, present, and future, and know that you'll get through every season and every time of life because God will make all things beautiful in his time. And he has guaranteed it through the blood of his son. You see, friends, when you have this gospel hope in you, you can get through anything because you know God is working in your life redeeming your life, weaving your life into a beautiful tapestry. Have you ever seen a tapestry on one side of it? You look at the back side of it, all you see are loose threads. It looks like a mess. It looks unkept. It looks chaotic. It looks disorganized. But from the other side, what you see is a beautiful design. Every thread intricate and intentional, purposeful and precise. You see, life from our perspective looks like looking at the back of a tapestry. What in the world is going on? Why is that thread there? 
Why are those loose threads so crowded? Why are there no colorful threads? Everything is dark, black, and gray. And so we can't make seasons of suffering and make sense of seasons of loss. And all the moments and memories of pain and confusion seem absolutely pointless, sporadic, random. But God is not weaving the seasons of our lives from the back, but he is weaving them from the front. He is weaving them until all things are made beautiful. An illustration of this comes from the life of Corrie ten Boom. Uh, Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch Christian woman who was arrested and placed in uh, various concentration camps during World War II. And as a Christian, she and her family had the conviction to help the Jews escape during the time of the Holocaust from the Nazis. And of course, they were picked up, they were arrested. Now, uh, Corrie ten Boom, by the grace of God, uh, was spared and she survived. Unfortunately, her father and her sister passed away in, in the camps. But after living this kind of harsh life, this li- life of difficulty, this life of loss, this, this life of adversity, she looks back in her old age at her life and she gives this testimony. She often reflected on her life through uh, a poem that's entitled The Weaver that I'd like to read for you. My life is but a weaving Between my God and me, I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he seeds the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. See, our lives are characterized by all kinds of various seasons and trials under the sun. And some of those moments in our lives are woven with dark threads. And some of those moments are woven with golden threads. But whereas where we can only see chaos and confusion and tears and troubles, remember that you are only looking at life from the backside. That God who will make all things beautiful in its time is looking at it from the right side. So no matter what season you're in right now, do you believe God is in the progress of making all things beautiful in its time? That he is doing this work for your good and his glory and that he has guaranteed he will do it through his son, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Let us pray.